0: This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us how much more we have in common. I'm Condice Presley. During May, we acknowledge and celebrate the accomplishments and contributions of our neighbors of Asian American and Pacific Islander descent, or simply AAPI month. How about this? Asian Americans are the fastest growing racial group in Georgia and in the United States, yet their history is rarely taught in our Georgia classrooms. The organization Asian American Voices for Education or AVID for short, created and launched a Heritage Month kit designed not only for educators, but also for parents to celebrate and teach Asian American history in our homes and in our classrooms. Now, joining us to discuss this work is Wanhee Ann Shin. She's the executive director of AVID, and I want to say welcome to Perspectives. Thanks for making the time to talk with us.
1: Thank you for having me here today.
0: So tell me about uh, AVID, its organization creation, and the work that you've been doing in our community.
1: Sure. Sure. Um... It actually started as a very grassroots group. We're still, I would say, fairly grassroots Um, back in 2021. As you may know, there was a rise in anti-Asian hate crimes. And in response to that, what we saw nationally was states advocating for history education and K through 12 education. The idea being that that is when we really mold how our children think And that's when they can really see the humanity of other people if they understand their history and their stories. Um, So the first state to pass that legislation was in Illinois in 2021 and followed by New Jersey and Connecticut had something of that sort and different states followed. So in Georgia, a group of parents and educators and teacher educators thought, what can we do? So that's how this group started. And it was very grassroots. We, it was mostly, it still is community-driven uh, and guided by various Asian-American nonprofits in this area to help us um, understand Georgia and how we need to maneuver in Georgia.
0: When did Georgia Metro Atlanta begin to see this greater influx of Asian-American residents?
1: It's um, actually not only Georgia, but the U.S. It's starting really in the ni- mid-1960s or so. Until then, actually Asians starting, people of Asian descent starting in the 1800s were barred from entering the country. So it started with the Chinese Exclusion Act, which later on went to the Barred Zone Act, which targeted South Asian communities to the Japanese agreement, Korean and Japanese. And so by 1924, really um, that Asian people of Asian descent were very limited and restricted from coming to the US. And that's when the idea of undocumented immigration began. Interesting enough, at least according to what I understand, the first um, undocumented immigrant came from, that came from the south of the border were actually Chinese migrant workers. And they literally had, journals actually had political cartoons with a wall being built at the border. So it's really interesting how history does repeat itself.
0: What are some of the reasons why at- Atlanta and Georgia are appealing for the AAPI community?
1: Sure. Um, As you know, typically Asian Americans would come through the West Coast. Um, Historically, when there was Ellis Island of the East, there was Angel Island of the West. And um, many settle in large cities like LA, New York, and um, even metro, I would say DC area too. But with the cost of living in Atlanta, you know, it's, um, it's very attractive. And we've seen um, increase of, you know, population coming here for not only jobs, but just for that standard of living. You know, it's very, it's much, it's less rigorous than what you see in the West and the East Coast. So actually the largest Asian group here in Georgia is the South Asian community.
0: Which represents what?
1: Yeah, Pakistan, Bangladesh, um, you know, and those communities.
0: Is there a special reason why AAPI Heritage Month is in the month of May?
1: Sure, um, that is to remember pretty much um, the Japanese incarceration. Um, so in um, during World War II, um, Japanese Americans were incarcerated, about 120,000, two thirds were US born. So it's to remember those people as well as the Chinese exclusion. Um, and the Chinese Continental Railroad, um, because we had a significant number of Chinese migrant workers in the working in the railroad in the 1800s. So it's to signify those um, communities. But the ironic thing is that's what May was for. However, a- Asian-American, first of all, communities, so much more than that, we have Southeast communities. And in Georgia, the largest is South Asian communities. And as well as that month signifies NHPI, which is Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander, which are also very different too. You know, in fact, actually, there's some debate because Asian Americans were also settlers and colonizers of those areas. So it's strange that we are grouped together in one view.
0: Sort of like not all Black people are the same, (laughs) not all Asians are the same. There are different cultures and regions of the world from which the community has immigrated to the United States is what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Talk to us a little bit more because this may be today one of the few history lessons that our listeners get about these these pivotal moments in American history. You said during the Japanese internment, two thirds of those people yes. who were locked interred were American citizens, US born and then talking about the railroads and the Chinese migrant workers who did that work. Flesh out those stories a little bit more for for our listeners.
1: Sure, and I will preface by saying, I am not a historian, you know, and this is based upon my understanding too. So also, you know, listeners fact check, always fact check to make sure there are plenty of resources out there. The idea, well, several themes that I will talk about is things like, um, terms like perpetual foreigner, and also migrant workers, right? And so many different groups have different types of stereotypes. The one thing, the common thing that we see among Asian Americans, whether you're South Asian, um, Eastern Asian, Southeast Asian, wherever, is this concept called perpetual foreigner. It means that you are never American enough. So the, actually the first Asians to set Foot in U.S. like the on soil is in the 1500s. Filipino fishermen. This is before the Pilgrims and because of Spanish colonization. I also say colonization brought us all together in a way, you know. <laughs> so um, they set foot in California, and the first settlers or you know settlement community was in Louisiana in the 1700s. Um, Filipino fishermen. So as you can see, historically, if you look back, it goes for much further than we, what we think. And so in the 1800s, there was an influx of Japanese and Chinese people moving to the US for work. It was cheap labor. Now they came to typically through West Coast in California and um, many of the Chinese workers became railroad workers. They are cheap labor, but The idea came to be that they were dirty. They were filthy. There were images of rat control, like advertisement with Chinese men eating rats. So it was really dehumanizing. Um, But what happened after these people came to work in the States were many of the blue collar workers were were unhappy. They weren't unhappy at the companies that hired these Chinese men for cheap labor. They were mad at the Chinese men. So we see incidents of um, Mob violence and lynching in the west coast in Washington state as well as California um, to Chinese migrant workers and then we also see similar instances of Indian or South Asian migrant workers in those areas now they came through Canada remember England colonized India right so they came through Canada to work and we see similar stories there so Chinese migrant workers were really key in the, you know, Continental Railroad, yet they were not even recognized. So there's a picture of the end of the Continental Railroad, and it's only white workers. They kind of deleted or omitted that part of history. Great thing is, um, their descendants actually came together later to retake that picture. So we can always reclaim things, right? So that's the good news. But what happened with those migrant workers is, because people weren't happy, um, you see a series of laws that exclude people of Chinese descent from entering this country. So there was no really quota or anything like that before until then. The first one was actually Page Act, which restricted Chinese women, calling them pretty much all prostitutes. And we see that over hypersexualization, even with the Atlanta spa shooting, right? So these are common themes that we see. So their point was Chinese people are unassimilable, so they should not be coming to the states. And that's called a perpetual foreigner. And that led on to a series of other anti-Asian immigration um, laws. And I would also like to highlight, because it's really important to see how it's not just Asians later, because history is so connected. We see that um, I recently learned they also started barring people with disabilities as well as. Um, LGBTQ communities. That is new information to me. I was recently told about that. So that's the perpetual uh, foreigner theme. And you see that with the Japanese Americans too. In World War II, you know, USOs at war after Pearl Harbor, what did they do? They incarcerated 120,000 people of Japanese descent. And even though it's such an awful story, you also see incredible people serving in World War II. The most, I think, decorated battalion is the 442nd, which is a Japanese American battalion. And one of them came to be a Senator later on. He lost his arm, won the uh, Medal, medal of honor and he became a Senator for the US and he fought for civil rights too. So you see these themes and it's interesting in the South actually, another history lesson for you, post slavery, a lot of plantation owners started getting scared. So in the Caribbean you saw, it's a term that is a derogatory term um, that was pretty much hiring cheap laborers from India and China and the Caribbean. So they said, this is a fabulous idea. Why don't we get these laborers in the South? And so when the West Coast wanted to bar these Chinese migrant workers from the Ch- Continent Railroad from entering the States, the South was against that, saying, no, 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 no. we want these cheap laborers Little did they understand that they were freedmen. They thought that they could, you know, just, um, it'll be like slavery 2.0, but it wasn't because they were freedmen and they started fighting against it. So that's when the South partnered with the West Coast to bar Chinese people from entering. So in Mississippi, actually, there is a Chinese community that's been there for multi-generation.
0: Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow.
1: Imagine what you learn when you study.
0: Tell <laughs> us about this, uh, this, this educational kit that you all have put together and have gotten into a couple hundred of our schools, and how long has it taken to get to where you were able to roll that out last month?
1: Yeah, I mean, to begin, we gathered yeah, several people. We work with local teachers, too, to make sure that they are classroom-appropriate and that age-appropriate. We also worked with a teacher educator who specializes in Asian American social studies. Um, And we also worked with parents who helped design it. So it was, the whole kit contained two books and we were also um, actually sponsored by Very Asian Foundation as well as School Futures Challenge and different folks. So it had two books. One book was about Asian American um, heroes or people and Asian American figures because a lot of people when they try to celebrate Asian American Heritage Month, they see it as history of Asia. No, just like the way African history is different from African-American history, it's different. And also you have to understand we have multi-generational folks here. We have transnational adoptees who may not celebrate all the cultures. We have recent immigrants. It's such a diverse group, right? So you can't just focus on holiday, Lunar New Year saying that's Asian-American heritage because it just doesn't speak to more than half of the world's population are from an Asian heritage. So it just doesn't make sense. So to put in our kid, we tell the kids, hey, what is heritage? Everyone has a heritage. It's not just some people, we all have a heritage. And unless our heritage is, you know, is indigenous American, it's from somewhere else. To debunk that myth that only Asians are immigrants, you know, that this is a nation of those people. And we also have um, some common ground. So in state standards and social studies, kids have to learn about certain figures. And this theme for us was courage and resilience. So bringing in um, members of our community um, that are required in the standards like Ruby Bridges, um, MLK, as well as Rosa Parks to ask the kids, what were some ways they were courageous and resilience? Well, did you know other people showed really, you know, cur- courage and resilience in different ways? And one really powerful story is Ruby Bridges. She is a required figure and we say, Hey, talk about not only Ruby Bridges, but about Sylvia Mendez. She was a Puerto Rican Mexican-American girl who also went through the court system for school integration. Alice Piper, a Native American girl who went through the court system and Mamie Tape, a Chinese-American girl. So even though it is AA and HPI Heritage Month, we try to bring in Asian-American perspective in this comprehensive fabric of US history. So we don't only promote Asian-American, but how does Asian-American perspective and history fit into this wider story that kids should really know?
0: Whenhee, how is this kit being used in schools?
1: Um, so this was in response for parents who said, I want to know how I can volunteer in my classroom, but I don't know how. So we had parents going in and volunteering and they have agency effort for the first time. And many parents, majority are Asian-American, but not all are. They said, this is the first time I even knew about my history. So we have parents going in, they read a book, lead an activity, we have crafts and a coloring page that was designed by Jaleesa Leva of um, PBS Kids. She's local here. And, but however, interesting thing is 60% who registered were educators. So that shows me that teachers want this so much and schools have been incredibly receptive to it.
0: Knowing that teachers were the ones who wanted and were hungry for this this history so that they could share it with their students at this age where kids begin to understand some of the complexity, but the beauty of this experiment that is the United States of America sounds as if it wasn't that difficult to get it into what you're like 200 something
1: schools. Actually, it went up. We were 280. We need to do a count. I believe it'll be closer to 300 or so.
0: (laughs) And it wasn't that hard. I mean, considering you, you watch the news, you know, there's great debate about, you know, what can be taught, what books can be read, what books can't be read. Did you face any sort of
1: challenge or opposition with respect to this idea? We did from one school. Um, That was from an administrator, not from the teacher. The the teachers wanted it, but the administrator didn't. Um, And I will also highlight, we are completely, I'm pro bono. So we're doing this for free, and we were able to reach that many. You know, it's a bunch of parents and educators and teacher educators who want this. And the fact that we were able to do that, and I can't imagine if it was more organized, the reach it would have, and the hunger from these teachers who want this.
0: Why do you think this history, as diverse as it is amongst Asian-Americans, which, again, giant melting pot, as is the population of the U.S., why do you think this history has not been in our classrooms to
1: date? No one knows about it. So that's the interesting thing. Teachers, when they first come to a professional learning, they all say, I had no idea. So how can you teach something you don't know? It has to go deeper, right? We need to provide it not only in these classrooms, but in teacher schools where teachers are learning to become teachers. They need to know this. But who will teach them? You know, where are the people who will teach them? It's so, it's so complex. Um, the story that I tell people is the only time I saw I was actually happy and felt connected in my learning in K through 12. I grew up in Virginia, was middle school world history when I was Genghis Khan. I mean, that's pretty sad, right? Genghis Khan, I was like, oh my gosh, an Asian person. And he has power. I mean, forget that he was an imperialist and all that, but I was so happy to see him. And sad thing is I showed that to my sixth grade son and he was just as thrilled. So it shows me in the past few decades, not much has changed
0: speak to us about this stereotype that exists amongst our Asian neighbors about feeling invisible mm-hmm. and not seen i heard this a great deal during our coverage of the spa shootings and not being heard and as we've covered stories about uh, hatred towards asian americans especially during and post the pandemic and is there are you sensing Uh, a new or renewed energy to speak out now and speak up and be heard and recognized for uh, the community that the AAPI community is and the contributions made to our society.
1: Yes, and we have seen that even politically. We saw a rise in Asian American um, local legislators here in Georgia. Actually, I believe the largest or the second largest in the U.S., so that's huge, right? So we saw that increase very recently and people have more power um, to do so. But I do have one uh, fear. It is that when times are bad and there's a whole you know, Asian American philosophy and all that in that too. When times are bad, people speak up. But for, and I will say as a Korean American, as an Eastern, Asian American, I can't speak for others, you know, but as a Korean American who came from educated families with a lot of those positive things, you know, when times are bad, it's easy for us to speak up and say, yes, solidarity, solidarity. But my fear is once COVID slows down, and it is, and we're not getting that, will we snap out of it and just be comfortable again? So that is a challenge I wanna give out to my fellow Asian Americans out there saying, remember what it was like and history repeats itself. We saw the same thing happen in 1800s. We can't assume that, and we can't just fend for ourselves when times are good and think and be complacent. That is a very dangerous place to be. Let's continue on the fight, but with others and together and just keeping that in mind that sometimes it's not, Not everyone has the space to be complacent like we can at points.
0: Wendy, we're nearing the end of the school year. How might interested listeners and teachers and families be able to access these books in this module to use in their homes and perhaps in their classrooms next year and not just relegate it to a single month of May?
1: Sure. Go to our website, www.aaved.org. And this year we have a really Really interesting and um, exciting project in the summer where we will create tangible material, just one per grade level that abides by the social studies standard, but you can go deeper with that standard, bring in uh, multi perspectives, not just Asian American, but multi perspectives.
0: Is there anything else you wanted to share or something else that I might not have thought to ask you in this wonderfully rich
1: conversation we're having? Hmm. Our history is not siloed, we're all connected. That's how history happens, one leads to another. So it takes, we need to learn and look at things in a complex way and in a critical lens because sometimes we were, you know, it was bad for us, sometimes it's good. Sometimes we were, you know, know, um, in solidarity, sometimes we weren't. So let's look at history in a very complex way. So the kids have a true understanding of who they are and who their neighbors are so that they can become impact makers. What we say at AVID is all students deserve to know that they belong and are valued in the classroom so that they can become community impact makers.
0: And you said something earlier that was quite impactful. You said colonization brought us together. uh, So we should find our way to uh, embrace the good in that and learn how to live work together. And as you said, know that everyone has value. Uh, the website again is uh, aaved.org, uh, pronounce it avid. And one uh, he and Shin, I appreciate you making the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condas Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell condas? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this same time as we explore new perspectives.